This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Carm Capriato, Townell Academy from Remarkable Results Radio. Hi, how are you? So glad you're here. Topic today, creating consistent routines that drive success. So glad to have you here. It's week 331 of the Town Hall Academy. Let me introduce you to Jaron Kleber, Repair Shop of Tomorrow. Hey, Jaron. Hey, Carm. Great to be back and uh, excited to uh, be a part of this great group. Thank you so much for uh, bringing uh, these two great shop owners with you. Uh, Chris Mikado, President Circle M Tire and Auto, Circle M Truck Repair in Bakersfield, CA. Carm, how are you? Good to be back. Chris, good to have you here. I know you're from California. And I always like to ask people that come on from California, how many new laws were passed today that's going to kill your business? <laughs> well, today, I'm gonna. it's probably less than 10 today. But if we were going to wrap up the quarter, it would probably be most likely be about 10,000, I'll tell you. Love everybody in California. You know that. Nick Hively is with us, president of the Automotive Unlimited in Chanhansen, Minnesota. That's right outside of Minneapolis, right? It is. Yeah, we're about... 20 minutes west of the airport, yeah. Been there in, in, in my previous life, yes. We've got a great podcast for you as we are going to talk really about uh, SOPs and processes. But first, let's honor our great partners here. You know, each shop has its own customer record. So when multi-shop owners use shopware, they are always in the system. Blow customers away by pulling up their records in a flash, no matter where they shop. Get shopware. Dot com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies Fuel Tank Cleaning Tool. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. You know, we're always here doing all kinds of great stuff. Listen to learn just one thing as we work so hard in the Aftermarket Radio Network for the good of the industry. And did I ever tell you that I actually have a Delphi fuel tank cleaning tool here in my hands? We did a video on this. It is because Dave Hobbs did it. And if you know Dave Hobbs, trainer at Delphi, but uh, I have it right here just in case my own personal fuel tank needs cleaning. You never know. We're going to have a great time talking about procedures because they win wars and hearts. You know, clients can count on you when those things are consistent. And uh, when you set the expectations of this high level of service, then they always want to come back to get the same thing. Don't ever disappoint them. That's why you need discipline and structure. And structure helps build a consistent outcome. We keep using this word consistent. It's amazing. We talk about consistency and we're going to talk about consistency and how it builds habits. And that's one of the outcomes of today's discussion. I don't want to use the word again, but I am. Consistency seems to be the word of the day. And so I think we all in life, as we reminisce our business on a daily basis and we go over and over in our head what's working and what's not, I think the word consistency is something, God, just too bad we just couldn't do that the same every day. So Nick, let's go to you. Standard operating procedures, you told me were a roadmap to running a great business. Explain. One thing that you hear me talk a lot about is my business coach, uh, Dave Justice. I joined Repair Shop of Tomorrow back in 2017, and Dave always told me SOPs will set you free, and I never knew what that meant. You know, I thought it was a somewhat cliche uh, saying, 
And uh, what I've learned is that SOPs uh, really uh, identify where we're at when we're trying to go places, you know, we're trying to meet goals, we're trying to, you know, achieve great things. SOPs, when you have them set in place, you can follow where you're at. They show you where you're at and they show you where you are in relation to your goals. And an example that I like to use is, um, you know, we use something called manager sheet every day and we use something called daily tracker. And what we find is when our average repair order is off, we can take a look at those two SOPs as we use. It tells us exactly where the issue is. I can tell if it's a service advisor having a bad week. I can tell if it's a technician not doing a good inspection. I can tell if it's a technician that's doing the inspection. The service advisor is not estimating the material that the technician is recommending. So for me, SOPs take all of the guesswork out of what we're doing and they basically tell us where we are in relation to where we need to go. Guys, I have to throw a word out. Listening to Nick inspired me to wonder if the word structure is as important as the word consistency here. And I have to also say this to you, Nick. Think back a year ago. Would you ever be in front of an audience like this saying, I believe in SOPs and I can find every weakness in my business because of them. Did you ever think? No, no. I I hear people talk about it and I did not think that was possible. And I was thinking about it this morning. You know, SOPs are allowing me to be on the podcast today. If I didn't have SOPs in place, I wouldn't be able to be here. Oh my God. Is that why some people can't come on my show? (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Well, then when they can't, they say, Carm, I'm really, I'm too busy. I just can't be there. And I'll write back and I say, I understand, but you need SOPs. Absolutely. Seems logical enough to me. I'd have to agree. Chris, how about you? Uh, Obviously, you couldn't be running the kind of business that you run, a great business, without structure. Absolute structure, Carmen. As I was listening to Nick, you know, really, what is an SOP? What does it do? It's technically a governing body, if you allow it to be. It's a governing body that doesn't have to be maintained. This governing body is trained, it's tried, it's been true. And really, if you can accept that, it will allow you to work more or less on your business versus in your business, not worry so much about what everybody's doing, but more importantly, understand caliber of training and implementation when it comes to SOPs within the team is the most important aspect, I believe. So guys, right out of the chute here, what I think I want to lay up just hit me really hard is we have a ton of listeners and they're saying, okay, cool. We bought it. We keep hearing about it. How do I start? How do I start? What what, what do I have to do? Each of you probably have a great story that basically a lot of people will tell me, one of the best SOPs to write is how do you answer the phone? Because everybody kind of knows how to do that. They put down these four or five things and then we all see, oh, we agree with it. This is great. You know, look in the mirror, smile and greeting and use your name and all that stuff. And then we go to the the whole team says, look at what we did. We wrote an SOP for answering the phones. Now we need to write an SOP for, you know, locking the wheel on on the car and taking this off and, and doing all these things in the business and it builds energy. Is that how it started with you guys? If somebody doesn't have SOPs in place, I'm going to recommend a great book. And it's probably been referenced on this podcast. It's called The E-Myth. And Carm, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with The E-Myth. So the letter E, myth. And actually, a Napa store owner, Dave Cosby, who owns multiple locations, him and I had a discussion about this book. And he said when he took over the business and he bought it from its previous owner, 
he read that book and he said it felt like it was comparing his business to McDonald's. And what he did from a process standpoint is he said, I sat and I thought about everything that makes me upset with what, how our company operates. And I started there and they started writing SOPs based off of that. And when you think about comparing yourself to McDonald's, McDonald's is the standard for processes. And I talk about it all the time. If they can teach a 16 year old kid how to put two pickles and one squirt of ketchup on a hamburger, we should be able to teach our professionals how to follow SOPs. So if you haven't read that book and you're looking for a place to start, highly recommend it. It's an easy read. It'll make you feel like that author is talking directly to you. Great book. It's on our books page. We've talked about the e-myth for over eight years, 1200 episodes. It, it always comes up. It's so important. Thank you for bringing it up, Jaron. We're really moved on to the next level, and that would be the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. We've done seven or eight episodes on that. We have another one coming up soon as shop owners are adopting the fact that the structure of the business needs to be in play. And uh, there's no doubt that having SOPs, guys, you got these, they up on Google Docs, are they on Word Docs? How easily are they referenced? And again, I have all these questions and and then how often do they get updated? So for myself at Circle M, Carm, all of our SOPs are delivered upon hire. Um, they are all in a book. So they have a physical paper book with all the SOPs in it. As far as the amount of times or when do they get updated, most of the time, Carm, what we find is we'll cross a bridge that maybe was a little bit rickety. Maybe that bridge just didn't feel as comfortable as it did last time. And so when we cross that bridge and understand the condition of the bridge, I think that's the time where we really implement that amendment. What a great metaphor, the rickety bridge. It's perfect, which means we failed or we faltered somewhere. And it's time, as Nick was saying earlier, we'll figure out what's wrong, right? You know, I think about these challenges that we've found or that, you know, that we run into and we run across these rickety bridges. When we let a customer down, it's because we usually didn't follow an SOP. I look at where we, where we make our mistakes, analyzing our business, how we're doing things. Generally, what happens when we, if we ever have an upset customer or, you know, if something ball got dropped, what have you, uh, it's generally because we didn't follow an SOP. You know, we always talk about when you're creating your initial <laughs> SOPs, there's a couple of things that I always try to stress, whether it's with our clients or whether it's during presentations that I do. It's, you know, the first thing is, I think, and hopefully everybody does this, but engaging your team members is crucial. And, you know, if you're not getting that buy-in at the initial onset of creating those SOPs, then you're probably going to have a lot of pushback. And look, not all the ideas are great ideas, right, Carm? So we're not saying you have to listen to, you know, that technician's process that he thinks should be implemented, but getting their input, making sure that they're all bought in from the beginning. And then the second thing is, is when we're thinking about our SOPs, again, we're talking consistency, right? They need to be consistent and they need to be repeatable. Those are my kind of two uh, talking points. But at the end of the day, every shop is set up a little bit different and there isn't a silver bullet or there isn't just a book that we can deliver for your shop. You do have to put in the work. You do have to work with your team and figure out your culture and what really works inside those four walls. 
You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Let me see. We're in the independent automotive aftermarket. Say there's 250,000 shops out there and say they all run differently. Yes, that would be true. And so every one of them needs to have a different set of SOPs for themselves. Should we have an SOP for answering the phones and putting on a tire and double checking this and reaching out and doing this and putting this part away and all that? Yes, but they all happen differently in a different environment. More importantly, with a different culture. And so much, I believe, guys, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, that the culture of your environment, your people's, your, their, their strengths and their weaknesses have everything to do with your SOPs. You may want to do this SOP, but you may not have the strength of your team to get that done. That, like I think you said earlier, Nick, it shows you where improvements can be made. We talk about how you lay out these SOPs at the end pieces of paper. You know, Chris and I actually had this conversation not too long ago. And I think some SOPs are on paper, and I think some are just discussed uh, every Monday morning. I shouldn't say every Monday morning because uh, it doesn't happen every Monday morning. However, we do have a Monday morning star meeting and we discuss these challenges and these SOPs. I don't want to say on a weekly basis, but when they come up. So these SOPs aren't necessarily always on a piece of paper or a document. However, they're discussed on a regular basis. Everybody knows what to expect from these. I would have to agree with Nick there. It's something that needs to be discussed it needs to be just like a carousel, if you would. Every topic has to be discussed on a carousel level um, to where we're just constantly refreshing our people. We're constantly understanding together what kind of culture we want to live in. If you think about SOPs as a governing body, SOPs, again, can also create culture just by keeping people kind of in line, if you would. Guys, I love the word governing body. I really do. It's fitting coming from a guy from California, too, right? <laughs> 
good slam dunk, Jaron. I like that. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you think of the government and you says, I just don't need any more government in my life. But the word governing is, if you will, the discipline, the shape, uh, you know, how we do, what, why we do, what we do. I just love the words that the governing body of the business. Maybe we can find a softer word but besides governing. But I'll tell you, for an owner, take that under counsel and let's get this done. Jaron, I don't know. Do you know the answer to this really tough next question that I'm going to ask? How many clients that join Repair Shop of Tomorrow don't have SOPs? I don't have an exact number. I guess I could probably work off percentages. You know, when, when we meet with prospective clients, really, you know, we're not really working with people that are unsuccessful, that are three, four months away from going out of business. We're working with some of the best shops inside of the Napa Auto Care family. And really, a lot of times what they're looking for is processes. So I would say it's probably above 50%. That's good. They may have processes in place, right? But it's just kind of refining that machine. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little you know, scary for them in the beginning. A lot of times we talk about their processes. They really need to slow down, right, Carm? They're working on way too many cars and they're not providing that consistent experience for their clients. And so getting an owner to understand that I may need to slow down, refine my processes, perform better digital vehicle inspections, spend more time with each client and maybe lower my car count, that can be scary. But When that is implemented and the average repair order goes up, the profits go up, your technicians are happier, the culture improves, then that's when the buy-in really starts to happen. And so from a process standpoint, I'd say that at Repair Shop Tomorrow is the number one thing that we focus on when we bring clients in uh, in, into the company. That's David Justice's middle name, I think. Processes, systems, SOPs. That's all I've ever known him. I've known him for eight years now. And that's all he talks about. And as I said earlier, it wins wars and it wins hearts. The hearts of your people, the hearts of of your customers. Chris, having a great set of processes really encourages a positive mindset for your team, doesn't it? It absolutely does, Carm. There is only positive to come out of it. Anytime transparency presents itself, most people in general are pleased and much more comfortable with transparency, with communication. As Jaron was speaking, that engagement, engagement is huge. What most of us don't understand is 66 to 70% of our people are actively disengaged. And then you've got another percentage that are just disengaged. And you have a small percentage that are engaged. These are statistics across the nation. And very simple statistic that just really needs to be uh, recognized and I think harnessed in, in a humble manner, if you would. And, um, and understanding the engagement that you have with your people is, is everything. And bringing them in with SOPs, bringing them in on that morning meeting, talking about wins, bringing them in for a barbecue. There's many different ways to create that engagement and, and allow your people to know that they're not just a number. I think Chris just brought up a huge point that you may have some people that quit and you don't know it. And they're still there, but they quit you. Is it because that they want discipline? Is it because they haven't been properly indoctrinated into the culture and the vision, uh, mission of the business? Is it because you maybe hired the poor attitude? Very well could be, Carmen. We spoke about this briefly a little bit ago, and we may not have used this term, but alignment. 
I think all of us shop owners really need to have that conversation with our hires before they're hired. Sharing the vision allows them to understand where they need to align if there's going to be an alignment process. And so I really believe that that's something that's also missed right out of the gate. You know, in that honeymoon phase when everything's great, we've got talent in front of us, we're excited to hire this guy, but man, we just can't get that alignment. And we've got goals to make, Carm. Nothing better than to be on the honeymoon with the SOP book. (laughs) It's really a tongue-in-cheek comment that I just made, but think of how big and important that statement was. Listen, honey, uh, I just want to let you know, you think you know me, but you don't. Here's my book. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was funny. (laughs) Yeah, my wife may want to you know, at times return that book to the library, but uh, <laughs> she's stuck with it, Carm. So it is what it is. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring, you know, Chris into this discussion as well too, Carm, is, you know, he's having to implement these SOPs and across multiple shops. He owns a truck shop and he owns a, you know, a traditional automotive repair facility. And obviously when you start getting into that multi-shop ownership, you can't be in two places at once. And Chris is really, he's really done a great job managing from afar. And so, Chris, I guess I would kind of ask you, you know, talk to the audience here on, you know, how that's really helped you, not only in your business, but I know in your personal life as well. Absolutely, Jaron. Thank you so much for even asking. The way I've done it is I forced myself to do it, listening to Dave Justice, understanding what I had to do. Quit working in it. Start working on it. You must become the CEO. And I had to literally extract myself, physically extract myself out of my business, out of the town I was living in, knowing there was going to be success at the end of this dark rabbit hole that that I had decided to go down. But as I learned, SOPs, guys, let's get back to this. This is what allowed me to manage miles away. I was two hours away. I was able to manage with all my SOPs, all of my systems. SOPs, they don't lie to you. You know, they don't fail you. People fail you. And when you're not there to physically speak, you know, or talk to these people and let's say try to save the day or fix the challenge, if you're not there, you're forced to really just work through your systems, your operations and your procedures. And you don't have another control. You don't have another button. So that elimination of default was really what set me free. It was scary. I knew I was scared. I could not, if you would, touch and feel this this machine anymore. All decisions were created from analytics, from numbers, period. And that's how we had to manage our business. Chris, you bring up some good points. You know, whenever I'm faced with a challenging decision in my business, you know, big, big decisions, I generally have a discussion with my coach, Dave Justice. And when I call him up and, you know, I have all of these pressures on me, you know, thinking about the bank, you know, I have to make sure I'm, I'm there for, you know, making the payments. I have to be there for my employees. I have to be there for my family. There's all these outside influences that are a big distraction. And Dave asked me the same question each time, at least the last few times, which is, what does the data say? The SOPs show us what the data says. This no longer becomes 
a challenging decision to make with all this overwhelming information, it's a simple deal. You take a look at the report. The data says, you know, your technicians are running over 100% efficiency, 105, 110, whatever the number is. It's easy to say. It's easy. Hire another employee. Hire another technician. Or if we're not operating that high, the decision is equally as black and white. We don't need another technician. We need to get the work done that's here. So uh, I think you bring up a really good point, Chris, and that is SOPs take away all of that fog, if you will, and the outside influences and allow you to make easy black and white decisions that aren't nearly as debilitating, if you will, at least they are for me. So uh, what does the data say? Yeah, you can't manage what you don't measure. And the data is the only thing that you can really see from the health of your business. That, Like you said, Nick, the data will 100% tell you the direction that you need to go. Okay, data. Very powerful statement that coordinates with SOPs or decision making. I'm analyzing my comeback data. And it looks like I may be up 20% this month. Maybe only just a couple of issues, but I'm up 20%. What do I do since I got the data about comebacks? What do I do? Is it every SOP in the business that could be contributing to that? You know, it can get complicated, Kerm. It really can. And that question that you pose, boom, right there. Now we're confused. Where do we go? So there's many questions that us shop owners have on a day-to-day basis that become, that almost create this fog, if you would. Things just all of a sudden aren't clear just from one question. We can't let those questions, we can't let those fears interfere with our day. I'm a firm believer that we know what's right. Dave has taught us what right looks like. Dave has taught us what the SOPs are. Let's just go back to the basics, boys. Let's get down to the fundamentals of this mechanism. We know how it operates. Let's not forget. Nick, any thoughts on uh, my comebacks are out of whack? It could be every SOP in the business. You know If I'm being honest, I mean, I think all businesses have comebacks. It's not something that I dwell on. It's not something that I feel is out of control for us. If it were, I think we would have to have SOPs. I think, you know, the comebacks that we generally have are pretty few and far between. And I think that, you know, when you take pride in what you do, Chris alluded to it earlier, you have a culture, you have a team, you have, you know, all the horses pulling in the same direction, if you will. Those don't seem to be much of a bump in the road for us. It's not something that we look at. You know, I, you know, I'm looking more at, you know, maybe the financial aspect when I talk about SOPs, because from a um, just kind of a workload standpoint, they get it done back there. And, you know, I think they have their own SOPs in their mind that are kind of already set. And that is driven by our culture. So for us, comebacks are pretty few and far between. And it's not something I really look at too much. Okay. I don't want to beat this dead horse to death, but we could do an incredible discussion. We've done shows on comebacks, but I'm very interested in something you just said, Nick. You said they probably have SOPs back there anyway. Ooh, that got me a little afraid. So my think is, do we have SOPs back in the shop where the battery charger goes here and we store this here and we have some disciplines on cleanliness? I mean, SOPs, you've got to have, you may not have an SOP on how do I do a diagnostics on, a, on this engine code. You don't have that because those are always in the hands of the diagnosticians. But if the place is going to run right disciplined, being sure that we aren't making a mistake on making sure that those wheel lugs are tight. I mean, to me, that's that's an SOP that's a must. I've heard of SOPs where the guy yells tire check and one of the other techs comes over and they double check his work. 
It's happened to my son once, left a great friend's shop. He got a quarter of a mile down the road and the left rear tire raced him to the stoplight. How do you prevent that? I mean, that's an SOP. It's almost a must SOP. And do you have SOPs like that in the Bay's, guys? We do, Carm. And as far as what Nick was saying on the comebacks, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right there with him too. I feel like we have more comebacks because of faulty parts and faulty filters. I'm sitting here jogging my brain and I'll tell you one thing we do have comebacks for. And let's talk about an actuator, AC, you know, actuator. Uh, we're pulling the whole dash off. And, you know, when we're plugging wire harnesses together, if you would, I've had a couple of technicians to where they just actually didn't, you know, they just didn't click. And so, you know, other than that, we're, you know, the comebacks are fortunately knock on wood. Guys, I'm with you on that comeback. My challenge to that is that you've got data and you look at it and it is a great way to double check, triple check yourselves that the business is running right, that it could, listen, it was a part or it was a loose screw or something. It's bad to a degree that you don't want a customer coming back, but there is data there and you react to it. I'm curious, guys. You, you, you think, I think, Nick, it was you that we have more financial SOPs about financial side of the business. Didn't you say that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's where probably biggest struggles as a new shop owner have come from. You know, I'm going to be somewhat disrespectful and say that, you know, the easy part is fixing the cars. You know, I, I think that fixing cars is not easy in, in today's world. But, you know, I think that we underestimate how challenging it is to run the business side of things. And so for me, I think we have a great culture. We have the right people in place. We have team members that want to succeed and want to grow. And with that, you know, you talk about the battery charger not being in the right place. I will tell you that if a technician goes back there and is trying to find a tool that is not where it's supposed to be, everybody can hear about it. Uh, so we know there's SOPs in place, whether they're on a piece of paper or not. Uh, so for us, I feel like in our shop, I'll call it the back. We have the right people in place that are doing the right things. Now I'm concentrating on, you know, the financials and making sure that, you know, we have enough to make payroll and, you know, we we're uh, meeting all of our commitments financially. So I think the big thing too, is as it relates to the comebacks, you know, as I'm listening to these guys talk, you know, it's just making sure Carm, we have those checks and balances in place. You know, and, and, you know, we, you go down a whole other rabbit hole when you start talking about techs and how they get paid and how they're incentivized and we won't go there. Right. But there's always the, the negative connotation that, you know, we're trying to crank out as much work as possible because we're incentivized on build hours. You know, what's it do to our comebacks? Well, if we're measuring again, if we're measuring the business by the data we have, we can see exactly who's not doing what they're supposed to do. Right. And so for me, it's more about having those checks and balances and keeping track of everything, you know, using your shop management software to designate what that fix type is, you know, and is it a new, is it a warranty, is it a comeback? And then going into your shop management system and running those warranty comeback reports and then figuring out we had 10% or whatever the number was. Wow. Well, seven of them came from one guy. Okay. Now we can identify the problem. And so it all comes back to the data and making sure that we have those checks and balances in place. And if we see that, then now we need to address it. I'm with you 100%, Jaron. If there was any SOP around a comeback, it would be that we've got a spreadsheet that lists the work order, that lists the tech, that lists the part, that lists the car, the customer, and all of that. And there's where you're collecting your data because it is not hard then to look at vendor, part, customer, and there's your analytics right there. 
And there was a point in time when, say, you got 15 of them on that spreadsheet over the course of a year or maybe a half a year. You could seriously look in there and say, oh, hmm, is it a check and balance? Is it an SOP? I mean, what's going on with it? So I think you can find that stuff. Let's get off the comeback kick. Percentages of SOPs that you would have versus front of counter, you know, the whole sales process, the customer intimacy thing and the back office. Nick, you just laid it up perfectly. It's so much harder to run a business. I mean, I can see where if you were practicing profit first, you would have an SOP on moving money. I think there are certain people that are saying, oh my God, I didn't even think of the financial side of the business. I never even thought about pulling the records and sending them to the accountant. To me, you you can't operate two hours away, Chris, without that, especially if you're not the one steering the bulldozer. That's right. Yeah, it makes it pretty tough, Carm. I'll tell you what, um, again, you know, let's just get back to it. It's those SOPs. It's that data that's going to really create any kind of comfort at all. It, and it takes a while, I'll tell you. Um, it took me every bit of three months really to, to create that comfort and understand that it's okay if I'm not in my business. So um, it was uh, rather enlightening. And then, you know, back to the, um, the alignment, of course, uh, at that point, we're really going to understand what kind of people we have working for us. And uh, we're going to really understand if these people, you know, run your business as if it's their business. And, um, you know, so very enlightening stuff. I love where this has gone, guys. Uh, I just am thrilled to hear this discussion. I know the industry is going to really value this discussion. Standard operating procedures, consistent routines. Uh, let's, let's just go around the room. Anything in your talking points that you'd love to cover that you didn't? And any kind of great summary that you can have? Keep in mind, there are people listening to this that have SOPs. And maybe this is a great opportunity. Bam, hit upside the head. I really, we're getting a little sloppy. Things aren't perfect. And let me admit the fact that I'm letting things slide. It's a motivation by listening to this. And other people that have just none. And it's an undaunting task ahead of them. I, I can't even believe I've got to even start this. So let's try to put a really nice bow on this episode. I'll do uh, Nick, Jaron, and then Chris. Nick? Back to what we said in the beginning, SOPs will set you free. They take all the guesswork out of what we're doing. When you have SOPs, they set expectations. People like to know what's expected of them. You know, they want to have goals. They want to know what we're doing today and how we're going to get there. And I think it also takes the cloud off of our cloud over their head as well. So, you know, I think that SOPs are back to it, the roadmap. They take all the guesswork out of what we're doing and uh, they fast track us right to where we want to go. And uh, I think when we don't have those distractions, if you will, uh, it makes us better at what we do. It makes us better owners. It makes us better, you know, provide service for our clients, you know, it makes us better all around. So to me, it just takes away all of those distractions and lets us focus on what we need to do. And we know what we need to do. Great summary, Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jaron. I'll keep it short. I'll tie it up with a quote that I always reference. Another book, good book. It's the author's James Clear. The, the book's called Atomic Habits. And his quote, he says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. You know, you can have lofty goals. You can have the best marketing strategy. You can have great clients. But if you're not creating that consistent, repeatable experience and you don't have those processes in place, you'll never achieve your goals. Excellent stuff. Uh, We'll make sure that Atomic Habits is in our books page. Thank you, Jaron. I just had a discussion uh, earlier today doing another episode, and I was chatting about the new position in everybody's company. 
called the CXO, the Client Experience Officer. And part of the discussion was, how does this happen in a small shop with four or five people? How does this happen with a new guy like Nick? And that individual challenged me. And so here's my answer. Before I let Chris summarize the episode, I said, why don't you, as the owner, get in front of your team and says, this four or five man team and say, I'm ready to hire CXO. My God, Nick, you don't even have a COO. Nick, we're not even sure you're the CEO. (laughs) But you want to hire a CXO? Yes, guys, a client experience officer. And you're right. I can't afford to hire one. So can we all be the CXO? That's the toss to home plate that everyone stops and realizes that part of their role in the company is comma CXO too. So I just wanted to share that because I think it has so much to do with what we're talking about. This whole expectation and I'm a logical diagnostician. I love, I want structure. I want discipline because that's how I approach my work. At the counter, if we don't have a system on how to sell and and satiate and satisfy the customer and how to schedule, oh, let's talk about dispatch and the SOPs that should be all around dispatch. We've done some episodes about that recently. Cool stuff. One of the brand new frontiers of training is going to be dispatch someday. Anyway, thanks for letting me riff a bit. Chris, I'll let you summarize it. Hey, Carm. No, that was great. I love it. I'm spinning off on an EXO right now in my mind on an employee experience officer, if you would, and trying to sum up what we've got going on today. And, you know, really, this is the question I think all shop owners need to ask themselves. Do you have a winning culture within your team? Um, We're talking about SOPs. We're talking about, you know, SOPs are this. But then you've got a leg to an SOP, which is implementation. If you can't implement an SOP, if you can't convince your team that this is what right looks like, what are you doing? So as far as I'm summarizing this, you know, we need to foster a team of individuals that are on a mission to grow themselves in order to create the life they deserve. And that's a lot of times what people don't understand is they are so much more deserving and their potential is so much greater than they recognize. And so for us shop owners to really be effective, we have to lead a winning team. Wow. You guys just nailed it. Thank you. You, you brought great passion for the subject, and you all weren't bashful to uh, help advance the aftermarket. So I, I so appreciate this. Uh, Jaron Kleber, Repair Shop of Tomorrow, thanks for bringing the panel uh, together. So appreciate this. Chris Machado, President Circle M Tire and Auto and Circle M Truck Repair, Bakersfield, California, who happens to work two hours away from where he runs the business. I, we've done shows on, you know, how can you be a remote CEO. And uh, every time people come on, it says, yawn, this is like easy for me. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? And you realize how hard they worked in their life to get to this p- particular position. You just don't walk away if you've got a, if you're living in a refrigerator box, you just can't because when it rains, it's gone. Nick Hively, President Automotive Unlimited, Chan Hassan, Minnesota. Guys, thanks so much. This was great. Thanks, thanks Carl. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Awesome stuff. Thank you for having us. It's been an honor to be a part of this. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.